Hey, this is Phil Yano with the Tech After Five podcast, and I've got my pals with me. Let's start here. I got Carol Hamilton. Hello, Carol. Hello, Phil. Great to be here. Is it? Is it great to be here? It I mean, is. Has it, a, has it been a good week I mean, for you? It's been fine? It is. It's a good week, and I really like this touching base thing. I think this is really nice to do every week where you just get together a couple of friends and say, hey, what's happening? So yeah. it has. It's also been a better week than some, so yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to come back and check in on that bit uh, and you on your mountaintop and also his secret location is on the battle bridge is uh, Scott Pfeiffer. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing great, Phil. Today's my two-year anniversary of finishing radiation therapy for my second round of cancer. And I'm two years cancer-free today and feeling really good. You can't tell me nothing today. Awesome. I can't be. That's it. That is a good news indeed, friend. Glad that uh, you are here with us and um, doing well. That, I'm just going to point out, uh, it, it is, uh, as you know, by law, you are required to have a logoed mug if you're on any podcast that's being shot by video. And uh, here, Scott has this handsome strategy business consulting mug. Um, well, I don't know if those are available in the company stores, Scott, but that's a handsome <laughs> mug. And it matches you. your shirt, I just realized. It does. It does, doesn't it? It's very coordinated. Yes. Uh, my yes. son at Henry P. Studios made this logo and made this mug for me. It's a really yeah. good looking mug, and I'm very happy with it. So Collector's it was, item. Yeah. Excellent. Limited that's edition. Very limited edition. Well, uh, let's talk about what we have been seeing this week and what's going on. So let's do that check-in part. Carol, I mean, from your perch, I mean, you've got some folks that you've been talking to over the past week. What have you seen? Yeah, uh, we're seeing some excitement come back, which is really nice. I read a a quote recently that said um, people are going to, they're so excited to get outside that they're willing to take more risks. And I would suggest that that's going into business too, that people are thinking, well, let's not just stay huddled down. I mean, obviously social distancing and all of that is being very well respected, but people seem more excited about what could be next. And I'm seeing a bit of optimism that I haven't seen in a while. And I'm certainly feeling that my schedule is reflecting in that. So we're not just staying busy now. We're actually staying busy and making money and exploring new things. So it's, it's been a really good week. So is that for you or for you and your customers? I mean, is that for both? I mean, is that what you're telling me? Yes. So I'm seeing customers that are getting much more active in and being able to get active, much more proactive now. It's not just sitting back and planning. They're actually doing things. Um, I, people are still not back in their offices as of today, uh, although I would be expecting that next week. But they're feeling there's just there's more mobility. And I think that it's less physical mobility as much as mental mobility. And there's a sense of, yep, we're good. We have a plan. This is what we're going to do through the end of 2020. Nobody's even trying to go to 2021 because who knows? Some are even stopping with we're good till September. And now we're just strategizing and, and executing from, from these various top uh, things we want to do now through the summer. And so are those... Um- or do you see any difference by region? I know that you've got people that you work with who are all over the globe. Talk, can you reference that how the different people feel from different places? Yeah, I would say that um, our friends in India are in motion because things are, I mean, they're still in very much in lockdown. There's no question, but it's not, there isn't the doom and gloom in terms of morale because they're also not having the impact of, of the virus that they were anticipating that the world was anticipating. 
Um, I just spoke with a, a client in the UK this morning and she's doing a lot of things online. She feels like she and her clients have all really figured it out on how to manage. They've been uh, touching on different ways to get connected and they feel much more comfortable with it. It doesn't all feel so new and how do you do this anymore? And so that's working, that's working really well. Uh, I would suggest that the U.S. is probably the, the one that's lagging a bit behind, but that's also because they're lagging behind in the, in the virus itself. However, I, I am seeing an overall optimism, I would have yeah. to say, regardless. Yeah. How about you, Scott? I mean, what, is, uh, what are you and your clients seeing? Well, they've, uh, <clears throat> for the most part, they've all gotten their PPP money in, so they've got a little bit of runway. And this week, everyone's focus has really turned towards um, getting things going, you know, new opportunities. I've got telecom company. I work with Cortel. They're simultaneously trying to launch three new products, new lines of business. Um, uh, Intellisoft, who I work with, they're branching out into a new line of business and trying to keep their old going. And, uh, you know, broadband infrastructure, Brad uh, emailed me yesterday, said, you know, it's time to, time to get back to thinking about the future. Let's go. Let's get this done. So everybody, I think, uh, as we sort of expected, you know, everybody goes home. You take a while to get things put together, figure out how you're going to work. Uh, then there was a lot of calories spent on making sure you got the PPP money in and you had some runway. And now everybody's sort of figured out how to work, figured out, you know, maybe there's some new lines of business you can go into or new products you can open up and everybody's ready to start pushing on to the next level and really uh, getting things done. So that's what I'm seeing. Uh, I guess it's optimism. And the, you know, the other part of it is with me and the others is, you know, who knows what's going to happen. We just have to do the best we can with the information we have today. But none of them have any real good feel of what it looks like a month from now, three months from now, six months from now, nine months from now. I would think that if this virus has, should have taught us anything, it is that we are terrible at predicting the future. So, yeah. um, you know, so how does you that affect to, as you go in with your, the kinds of folks that you're talking to, right? And of course, those are all tech adjacent or tech involved or tech adjacent, right? So in sure. that space, those cats, um, as you're talking to them about how they're going to plan, how does it affect what you think that next strategy session is going to be? Um, mm -hmm. You know, you've had response to unexpected events, right? You're, you've done that bit. What's the next strategy session look like? We're talking a lot about um, uh, robust plans versus brittle plans. You know, robust plans have multiple avenues of approach to get to success. They can put up with a lot of different things breaking. You sort of have, you know, they're, they're, they're just um, – you know, we're going to do this thing and then we're going to, you know, we're going to try to do it this way, but we can also do it this way and we can do it this way so that you just, you have a lot of room in your strategic plan to shoot, move and communicate. Like we used to say, um, you know, a brittle plan, you're married to one future. 
You know, right. you look into the future and you're like, this is the future I have to have to be successful. And once you're married to one future, you are setting yourself up for disappointment and agony and angst. And I think often we plan and we've set ourselves up for one future and that future comes to pass and we think, oh, we're great at this. <laughs> right. Um, I think yeah. we've learned well, that we're not great again. at it. Yeah, let's <laughs> do it that way again. Just, you right. know, no, you can't have brittle plans. You have to have robust plans. You have to have flexible plans. So I think that's the name of the game is as we're, as we're putting, you know, Cortell's, we're putting new products on the market. It's, well, will these products work if everybody's still home in three months? And right. will they work if everybody's back to work in three months? And right. will they, you know, they've got to be able to, be successful in multiple environments and with multiple resources, you know, and the, you know, with, uh, with IntelliSoft and planning on implementing security at airports or at the DOD, it's like, well, what do we do? What do we do if we can't go to say New York? You know, they, right. because it's shut right. down. What do we do if we could go to New York, but they won't let us because South Carolina is on fire, right? What do we do if, Right. This. What do we do with that? Right. How can we create a plan that's robust enough, that has enough options in it, that it's going to be, it has a good chance of succeeding no matter what. Yeah. That's really, I think, there's a lot more. I think in the past, there's been impatience with that level of alternative planning or flexible planning. People are just like, why are we wasting time talking about stuff that's not going to happen? Um, but I see a lot more willingness to engage in uh, those sorts of things right now. Is that sticky or will it all go back to how it was? I don't know. You know, I think about how the roaring 20s followed immediately on the heels of the 1918 pandemic. They obviously didn't. There wasn't a lot of stickiness to their social distancing and calming down and stuff. You know, then why is it going to be different for us? I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's going to be like. Right. No, and, and we don't. So that's, that is kind of exactly where I wanted you to go. Talk about how we figure those things out. Uh, I'm going to ask one last thing in that space. Are there any things that you would be counseling them to maintain sort of situational advantage, right? I mean, because that's part of this is making sure that I'm, I've got my resources marshaled in such a way that I am able to be fleet of foot so that I can act nimbly. I mean, we call, call that a pivot, right? Whether I'm moving a small business or a large one, are there places that you're counseling them to kind of help figure that out? Well, I think, you know, right now cash flow is king, right? I mean, you, you ordinarily are making strategic plans and you're looking at profitability. But in the near term right now, maintaining cash flow is pretty important. So you've got to take a hard look at your expenses. You've got to take a hard look at what you're paying, you know, you know employees and essential employees. You've got to Take a look at work that can pay quickly and who can write a check because uh, maintaining cash flow is going to be important to be able to be agile. You know, um, if you run out of cash, you're in deep trouble, even if you've got massive profitability just over the hill. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is the CEO's job, right? Don't run out of money. That's it. If you're the CEO yeah. of a company, your, your number one job is not to run out of money. You're not supposed to be running the business. You're supposed to hire people to do that. Your job is to make sure you don't run out of money. Right. I agree well, 100%. Care. Yeah, I have a client in that that very conversation about what do we do now that they had 3,000 people, they moved to home, it took a, an enormous effort to get that to happen, it's high security, now what are we doing, we have these buildings sitting empty, 
do we bring everybody back? Do we, what do we do? Then there's this whole Legionnaires possibility that's come up about buildings that sit on their own and what do they need and what kind of disinfecting do they need? And what they've been able to do is establish a, an ability to wait things out a little bit, which is they've bought time. And I think that that's probably a good thing because I still think that, yes, we can't predict the future by any stretch, but I think we're going we're gonna to keep knowing more. And if you look at the next two to three weeks when people are coming back out, and it would not surprise me at all if it becomes the Roaring Twenties, because <laughs> we are trying to burst out of our homes in many, many instances. But I think we are going to see somewhat of a what's going to happen. Is there a huge backlash? Is there not? And then you can start making those decisions about, do we open maybe one building and put part of our group into that? Do we want to bring them back and all of those kinds of conversations? So what I'm seeing in, in a lot of my clients is a use of time to make the decisions, deciding if they're in a hurry or not, regardless of what the government might be saying. It's, do we need to be in a hurry? And then also, what can we do to pivot gently? So I've got a, the, the UK folks I was talking to this morning have an alcohol, it's a hard cider business. And they, um, as of last week, went into the hand sanitation business. But it didn't require massive retooling. It required a little bit of retooling and some new product, um, some, a different supply chain. But they're also going to be able to go back really easily so that they are testing new things and exploring new things with a sense of this isn't forever. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've had that exact same conversation half a dozen times this week. And it's how can we position ourselves so that we're not on fire right now? And we can buy ourselves two weeks, two months. That's really, to me, that's what the PPP did for a lot of people was it bought them two and a half months yeah. uh, to yeah. see because, you know, like, well, you know, we've got some decisions coming up, but if we can make those decisions two weeks from now or a month from now or two months from now, we will have a lot more information than we have today. Right. Yeah. So. That's very legit. Well, that's uh, all good stuff. And I think that, you know, anybody should be facing those. They're facing those decisions right now. How do I get myself? We don't know. Buy yourself that runway if you can figure out how to buy that runway. And again, that PPP was part of that. Um, how figuring out what you're going to do with employees, where you're going to put them. I mean, some of those decisions you got to say, I don't know right now, but we'll figure this out as we go. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. We will figure this out as we go. Uh, <clears throat> I will say, you know, from a Tech After Five standpoint, we've, we had we our event in Charleston on Tuesday. That worked out really well. Again, we're getting a good group of folks there. There's a lot of good information moving back and forth. Um, and, you know, I think people are building stuff. I mean, again, we're seeing this thing of folks out there saying we are hiring. I'm going to tell you, um, in the most recent podcast before this one was uh, 213, how to nail your Zoom interview. And uh, we got tons of great feedback on that already. Folks are listening, folks are acting on it. They're getting some value out of that. But uh, what was super clear to me is that folks are hiring and uh, folks are screwing up those interviews. So they needed, uh, they needed a little <laughs> kick in the butt and uh, we gave them that. It was, I had a, a, a recruiter in Charleston on the call on Tuesday and he's saying, yeah, I've got guys showing up 15 minutes late for a zoom call. Ouch. And I'm thinking, and I, I didn't think I said out loud 15 minutes late, huh? <clears throat> And uh, what do they say about that? Well, they had trouble getting it set up. I said, uh, for a, it's a tech job, right? You're hiring them for a tech <laughs> job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I said, okay, I got that. I said, not I'm just kind of. I said, uh, it is not a good look. And I said, well, what happens when you say to him, you know, just imagine that you were interviewing with the person who's about to hire you and you were 15 minutes late for the interview. Um, what would you say to them about that environment? You know, what, what, about what just happened there? He said, yeah, I ask him. I don't get good answers. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll, uh, we'll wish you the best. Anyway, we got yeah. some great advice on that. And we're going to do some, some other more specific things to help folks on those interviews. We'll have to do that in an upcoming episode. But that's a good one for folks to go back and take a look at. And again, we got lots of good feedback on it. So we'll just hope for uh, more folks to get a hold of it, more folks to use that. And we would love to have your questions because we got some upcoming stuff that we're going to do more specific advice on that. Um, I, uh, I want to pivot here, having checked in on kind of some of the stuff that we've seen over the past week. I'd gotten my hands on a document. Oh, that's not a secret document. What's the right word? Um, I got my hands on some conversational comments that a friend of mine who interviews some really high-powered cats, isn't he? it was his own notes, and he just shared some of his notes on that, and I shared those notes with you guys. And this is cool because we're getting to look inside the heads of some very powerful executives and see how they respond in this time. And I know that uh, both you, Carol, and Scott had some uh, interesting insights out of what these people had to say. I thought uh, I might come around and see uh, see what you were thinking. So, um, Carol, what, why don't you lead us off? You said there were some things that stood out to you. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites was really revisiting what we were just talking about, which is how is your company structured? And there was a company that was referenced in saying, we used to think of ourselves as a company that provides X product. And we happen to have this online access point that you can get that product. And, and a number of years ago, they said, wait a minute, what if we were an e-commerce company that actually happens to just provide this project, this product, and possibly others? But first, we are an e-commerce, and that's who our, our customer is. And understanding who that customer is really changed the whole dynamic of the company. I think as we're looking at, at all of the things that, that are changing around the world and it's not going to apply to everybody, but a lot of us have the opportunity to become e-customer or e-commerce uh, companies. And it's a mindset that's really different that says, oh, we're waiting till this is over as we're exploring the new frontier. Right. We're becoming a part of that new frontier. And yes, we're being driven there, perhaps a bit under or out of our will, but we can certainly make the choice to make that mindset and feel very differently about it. So I, I really liked that one of the, thought that was one of the really interesting aspects of that. Yeah, I thought both of you would take some interest in, you know, one of these sets of conversations was around someone who is coaching in this space saying that in this time, as we're migrating from, you know, sort of face to face where, you know, you have small conversations and then big conversations, but now it's like, Boom, we're just popping. It's Zoom call, Zoom call, Zoom call, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. The tools matter. But you're in that space and you're doing this one after the other. And he said, this is a time that leads to consensus thinking. And the real issue is innovation can easily be crushed or dissent be crushed or not discovered because this kind of call kind of makes people 
I, I, don't, I don't think it's wary. There's a certain sort of some top-down pressure on saying, well, let's just get the consensus and get this done with. Let's not, you know, have the alternate ideas pop up. Let's just get the call over with. I think that's a, that is a real issue. And there were some cool, uh, some interesting ideas here about how people were addressing that issue of making sure we get all the ideas out. Yeah, that uh, that section really stood out for me. And this is a problem even when you're not online. If you're making a strategic decision and you've put a team together to do it, uh, even in a live face-to-face, -face, the more extroverted people might dominate the conversation, the more introverted people pull back. And if they don't get leadership from the leader to help, it's just going to get worse as the conversation goes and they're just going to get quieter and quieter and the loud people are going to get louder and louder and, and push the conversation to wherever they want it to go. It's even worse if the leader's the one doing it. And there are techniques for making sure you get input from everybody in the, in the um, conversation, right? You can go around and do the brainstorming thing where everybody just says one thing right. and you don't discuss it. And then you go back and you make your list and then you go back. And so you're trying to make a decision about something, just name one thing that impacts this decision in some way. You make your list. Then after your list is complete, you go back and say, okay, was that a fact? Is that a variable? Is that a, you know, and you categorize it out, then you can discuss it, but you've brought everybody in. So all the voices are heard. He's saying that's even more important if you're not live, that, that the, extroverts become even more extroverted the introverts become even more introverted and the leader needs to take steps to make sure everyone gets heard and has a chance to speak and so you get those viewpoints because it doesn't help you to put together a great decision making team that's got diversity it's got different viewpoints it's got people from different areas of the company or whatever and then you know two-thirds of them don't say a word because they're you know being dominated by the one-third, you might as well not have right. done all that work of framing a good, a, a good group, right? Right. I'm doing whole webinars on this because I really think that there is a separate skill set to being a leader online than there is to being in person. And I think that you have to really push those, those, those boundaries of what you were both just saying, which is, A, you've got to get everybody on camera. That... Uh, with the exception of if the group goes beyond 15, it starts messing with bandwidth at some point. But the more people you have on camera, the more actual conversation you're going to have. And it's very hard, hard to hide in the corners when you're all on camera. And then there's also got to be some rules of engagement, which is what are we all going to agree to do? How are we going to manage this? And things like we're going to shut our phones off. We're not going to multitask. We're actually going to be present. And we're going to do this because the shorter this meeting is, the better it is for all of us. And the best way to do that is by focus and making sure that we're getting everybody involved. And there's a whole list of things that you could do, and we could even end up doing something about that. But it's really remembering that this is a different leadership. You must come in a very solid leader approach and don't get all caught up in the gimmicks, the white pages, the polling, the, the, all the, the little um, gadgets that you can use. Those aren't replacements for leadership. Those are tools, but they are not replacements for just plain. So Phil, tell me how you're feeling about that. Great, Scott, I wanna take the temperature of the room. I want everybody to know we're not going off until we've heard from everybody. I wanna make sure that we've got consensus on this decision. And I, you know, exactly driving all those things forward. 
Yeah, I mean, it's the leader's responsibility to make sure that everyone gets heard and feels heard and participates, right? So you're not hiding in the corner. If you hide in the corner, if someone hides in the corner and they don't get heard, that's the leader's fault. The leader needs to be on top of that, needs to have some way during this. I mean, it's easier when everybody's in a room and you can look around the table and kind of monitor, but online, maybe even the, the pictures are shifting around or yep. weird stuff happens like that. You've got to have some way that you're keeping track of who's participating and making sure everyone feels. So those introverts are brought out and made know that it's safe for them to give their opinions. I also love his thing um, <clears throat> about having pre uh, pre meeting conversations. I do this for big uh, strategy sessions. You go to each participant before and you talk to them as the leader individually about you know, kind of getting right. their temperature on what, you know, here's what the decision we're making. Where's your initial position? What are you thinking about this? So you kind of go in as the leader sort of knowing where everybody is and that really can help you. You run it. I mean, you know, when you run into a certain spot, you're like, Carol, you had some thoughts about this or, you know, you can right. manage that conversation a little better if you do that. He calls it an alignment conversation or maybe her, I don't know who this is, but calls it an alignment conversation. But um, I like that. I think yeah. that's a good tool if it's a big decision. Now, and I think that is good. And it, and it said, you know, part of the what he recorded in here, or she, I don't know, but whoever the record was that there was a, uh, the thing was to make sure that you got input all the way around before you make the big decisions, right? I mean, some stuff doesn't matter. We all recognize it doesn't matter. And you kind of let those roll by. But the important stuff about where we go next, those are things that we ought to really be spending those kinds of conversations. Let me tell you one learning that I took out of this and I, it, it, it's already appearing in my dialogue. And they said, you know, we're really concerned about the idea of social distancing because that's not really what we're trying to do. We're trying to, we're physically distant. We're trying to keep the social contact up, right? So, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I am trying to do this and have these conversations online. How do I go about doing that and keep that there? So I've actually changed some of my notes in conversations with people and said, we're not physically distant or not socially distinct. We're physically distinct. I want good quality conversations. I want you to be engaged. I want to make sure that we are engaging you. We're engaging you with each other. Um, yeah. But uh, it's, we're just physically distant and we're only going to do that for as long as it makes sense. And we will stop when the time comes. But for right now, we are not going to lose the uh, social emotional engagement we have with you. We're here to he listen to you right well we've so even I, changed the language on that with one client of mine where it's not social distancing it's text connecting so it's it's not talking about getting away from each other it's talk about how do we bring it together so they have tech connections and some of them are are positive some of them are casual some of them are more formal so i i like the language of that where we're talking focusing on the connection not the distance and I yeah. agree with you, Phil. I went through a store recently and it's the only time I haven't been out in months. And so it was like my, you know, my big trek. And I realized that in social distancing, people are not looking at each other. It's as though, oh, you know, I can't even look at you because I might give you or get from you the disease. And I'm sitting there thinking, boy, we got to keep an eye on this, no pun intended, because we are losing literal eye contact with each other in the name of, is there enough space between us, which is a loss. So I think we have to be very cognizant of how much are we giving away? What do we have to be giving away versus what can we continue to foster, such as connection? Yeah. 
Well, there are lots of opportunities to do this right and to do this wrong. And we're trying to hear to help you encourage you as you are, you know, either talking to us at one of our events or talking to each other in all of your events, or as you prosecute your business, right? Whatever that thing might be, or in your career, do your thing. How do you go through and make good contact? We've seen all kinds of things go wrong. I thought this is some good advice. And we'd like just wanted to share some of that with our crowd. Did you have something, Scott? It looked like you had one last thought before I walked off with this. Uh, you know, Carol's talking about not looking people. I was going to say, I do glare at people who don't wear masks when I'm at the grocery store. <laughs> I, mean, nice. I feel dumb wearing a mask. <laughs> you not wearing a mask makes me feel dumber, makes me really mad. So I'm going, <laughs> if you walk by me and you don't have a mask on at the grocery store, I'm going to glare at you. Fair enough. <clears throat> but it'll be harder to see because he's wearing a mask. Right. Right. Yeah. But, but I'm not wearing it over my eyes like yeah, Vice yeah. President Pence. I'm, I'm yeah. just wearing it over my nose now. Moving <laughs> <sighs> <Let me> on. <laughs> this is, I'm with you. Be nice. Signaling social acceptance, right? So it's part, people like us do things like this. This is part of our culture. Let's be nice to each other to the extent that we can be nice to each other. Exactly. Um, okay. Uh, so block three, the C block of this thing. And uh, I, it is the provocative title. Is Zoom dead? <laughs> no. Well, there's, there's some irony there because uh, we're recording this podcast on Zoom, even as we right. speak, which one of the nice things about that is unlike Skype, we don't have to, we're not required by our licensing agreement to reference the fact that we recorded it on Zoom like you are when you do it on Skype. Really? Um, yeah, that's why you always hear on the radio shows and they'll say, oh, on a Skype interview, we did this because they're required by the licensing agreement to reference Skype, which you know makes sense if you're trying to advertise the heck out of Skype. But yeah, they should understand is, how people are referencing Skype before they say that. <laughs> My favorite. I got to tell you, that is, that is the S word in most places. <laughs> there was a guy, there was a, a guy who did a great podcast out of uh, uh, Emory, I think he was at. And he, uh, he used to say, well, I'm required by our license agreement to reference Skype. So if you want to do interviews where everyone sounds tinny and far away, <laughs> we use Skype. <laughs> We had a thousand people on a webinar yesterday yeah. on Skype and the, the presenter, we had to put the slides up. We couldn't go from slides to visuals because it was, that was too awkward. And this presenter had to manually change which camera of the two people at a time could be shown. It was so unimpressive. It was, it was like stone age for what the stuff we're doing on Adobe connect and zoom, et cetera. And what's apparently coming out with Google meet. So yeah, yeah. it was, the Tech After Five Podcast, are... not sponsored by Skype. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. Here I am trash talking <laughs> Skype. I'm not really trash talking Skype. I paid the money for quite a number of years. But anyway, it's not the thing. So the question is, it's not assumed dead. So I've listened to, you know, a lot of stuff we've talked about. And please reference our previous podcast or my other media appearances where we talked about is Zoom, in fact, safe? And what are they doing about encryption? And like everybody else, they encrypt the transit. They don't, the video is not and, and encrypted. And you can figure out why that's not going to work out. But that's not really the issue. The thing is, people, other companies appear to be Want, they want some of that market share for themselves. I don't want to say they're right. gunning for Zoom. That's provocative. We're not here. This isn't clickbait, friends. We're trying to be helpful. Um, but there are some interesting things coming up. Uh, so, uh, Carol, you said you've used Adobe Connect, which right. I've heard of, but I've never used. Yeah. 
it's really set up for educational purposes. Uh, the two that I've seen that is where the schools tended to, to uh, migrate to was Zoom and Adobe Connect. And they're setting it up in a way that you can come in and teach a class essentially, and have a lot of interaction as well as add a bell and whistle or two. Adobe Connect is incredibly sophisticated in the way they do it, and they've got lots of options for teachers to control the class. They can control whether or not they're talking to each other privately. They, there's a lot of things they can do that are high engagement as well as out. But as I was telling you at the beginning, um, I have been told by, by someone I truly trust in the tech field who said, enjoy all of them, fall in love with none because they are all improving at such an incredible rate that go ahead and like Adobe. And one of the great things about Adobe is you can go in and put your content in. And then if you're going to re review that same material, you can literally hit play and go back into that whole collection of content, whatever it is. It might be white papers, could be uh, notes from the last one, as well as PowerPoint, et cetera. Yeah, However, I'm telling my client. I'm telling my clients today. the same thing in that space is that there's some cool things. There's stuff that's coming out that's going to be out here any day now that yep. might mm -hmm. solve the problem the way you want to solve it. Um, mm -hmm. But don't fall in love with any of them. You know, be fleet of foot at the moment. And when I say don't fall in love with them, I would don't prepay yourself for the next three years. I think that's a bad plan, right? Um, go month to month if that's what makes sense. So things that are interesting to me. Um, one of which is you talk about talking about things that have gone bad. So in the schools, right? So both of my kids are doing e-learning and part of that e-learning is that they do things like hangouts or whatever. So uh, one of the teachers called and said, Hey, um, could you make sure your kid is on the hangouts call or whatever? I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what they're using. I don't know what the tool is exactly. I just said that. So we'll skip that part, but they're whatever the tool, make sure that they're on the call. And I had was previously on a, a school council meeting and I asked the you know, principal, how are these calls going? And she said, well, we're not really hearing anything, you know, cause at that time I was trying to pull together information for my zoom bombing stories and whatnot. And she said, we're not really getting any of that. So this week, uh, I went to my kids and said, hey, are you on these calls? And they said, no, I don't really get anything from them. And I said, what do you mean? Yeah, I just don't, I, I just don't get anything for the calls. So I said, how about you go? And I'd just like to watch and see what's going on. Uh, that was awful. So they get on the call. The kids are disruptive. <laughs> my, my boy is sitting there watching. He said, he said, hear this other kid. And one of the teachers calling out this other kid's name, the kid's answering. He said, listen, he's playing Fortnite. And you can hear him while he's, while he's listening to the teacher, he's playing Fortnite and some other device right beside it, right? And you can hear the sounds of this coming through. The kid's not answering. The kid is inviting other non-students into the environment. So there are other people who don't even belong on the call, on the call. The teacher's trying to call this to order. It was just a, that was just, a mess. Just a mess. I can't imagine. Yeah. I have I enough trouble I mean, with adults. I can't imagine. Yeah. I, teenage kids, man. Yeah. Um, so this is what was going on in that con. I thought, okay. So I, I get why my kids, it's like, this is just a disruptive environment. Why would I be bothered with such a low information, highly disruptive thing? So, uh, you know, not all tools are like, I think the way that you curate, and of course, now in her case, 
she's got no control over the fact other than she can only invite, she's got these students, that's who you need to have in it and nobody else. And you, if you make it easy to get in, then people who don't belong are gonna get in and then they're gonna be disruptive, et cetera. Um, I got the feedback this week, by the way, one of the guys at Tech After Five in Charleston got on the call and we're two thirds of the way through the call and, and he just says, hey, um, Phil, I just wanna say, um, this is excellent. You do a great job of running, which I thought, oh, well, that's nice. Thank you. He said, he said, the, the problem is, he said, I came to the first tech after five you did on Zoom. And it was so awesome. I started going to other people's Zoom meetings. It's a mess out there. <laughs> he said, people are disruptive. They're purely curated. They're purely or poorly moderated. He said, these calls are just a mess. And uh, I said, thank you. And it had not occurred to me. It's like, for us, we're deeply concerned about running a good call and how we use the tool to our advantage to make sure it's not a mess. And uh, he just said that it really was happening because I hadn't, I'd heard about it, but not really from anybody directly, but that is a thing that's going on. Two things, by the way, that I think are super cool that's going to come. This isn't necessarily for us, but I think for the folks who are listening, these are tools they might be interested in using. Uh, Facebook Messenger Room. Messenger Rooms is coming out. Now, you may or may not be a Facebook fan. I don't really care about that. But just imagine that for a lot of you, the people that you are talking to are on Facebook, and that would be easy for them to find, or at least on Messenger. The cool thing about Messenger Rooms, sounds like it's a very casual version of what we might do on something like a Zoom call or whatever. The um, I've watched a couple of videos about what this is like. I think that for these casual meetings that I do, I'm super interested in how those might work out. Um, and it's got all the toys and stuff in it. So I don't think it's a, prof I mean, maybe people will use it professionally, but you know, I'm not a big fan of the flashy background things that people are doing. This one actually allows you to have avatars while you're talking in the call, but uh, it should be fun for family and casual groups and probably a mess for other folks. The second thing, this did not make a lot of news, but I went back and watched Zuckerberg's announcement and I thought, okay, now, I'm super interested in this. He said, we are going to set up the uh, messenger rooms, I think is what they're calling it, capability so that you can charge for entrance. Hmm. That is a game changer. Because to me, that's like taking the live event side of Zoom plus my Eventbrite and kind of rolling those together into a single package and saying, well, hey, I'm going to do charge for events, whether that's a webinar or whatever. And again, if they give me enough control surface so I can keep people from being disruptive. And by the way, if they pay to get in, that changes the quality of the room right away, right? I think that's a pretty fascinating offering right there. No I'm, kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, again, it's not the same level of stuff, but I think that there are some people for whom this is going to be exactly the right answer. Yeah. They're the only ones that are doing that, right? I haven't heard that from anybody else. No, well, there are other pro tools that do that, right? I mean, okay. I mean, there, there's, there's a, and I forget, I sent the thing to Scott because we, I considered doing something like this with Tech After Five. We haven't done it yet, but there's a nice big pro platform that's got all kinds of control surfaces on it. So huh. it's breakout rooms. I can set up panels yeah. and all that. <clears throat> it's for basically doing virtual conferences. Right. It's right. a big yeah. tool. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Really nicely done. And it's done by a couple of ex-Facebook people. Um, but anyway, that's a very cool tool. And then, like I said, I think the other thing with, you know, Google Meet, they have taken the highest level of tools and put those down at the 
the lowest price point level so that you can play with them now and try right. it out. So you can record and do all that stuff inside of Google Meet. So I think, again, just the sheer convenience for folks who are already inside of a G Suite account. This right. makes all the sense in the world to just go press the button and say, let's start this up. And again, it's aimed, the tools were aimed at pro level users to begin with. So I think Google Meet is also going to be an interesting tool to watch. Again, these guys, they don't have to get it right the first time. That's the good thing about being Google, man. If you got all the cash in the world, you don't have to get it right the first time. Right. This is really back to where Carol started us at the beginning, I think, which is uh, there's tons of options out there. It's okay to go play and figure these out. Some of these, uh, to me, are pretty exciting, um, but don't feel like you, you know, this, this is going to be the last video conference app you ever use. Right. House party. It's going to be house party. That's the one we're on. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah, up to six people. Um, okay. Thank you, my friends. I think we have uh, given lots of great value here today. Uh, remind folks, Carol Hamilton, if they are looking for you in the world, how can you help them and where can they find you? Uh, I do both executive coaching and communications. I also facilitate programs on leadership. And these days, I'm especially focused on online leadership. You can find me at Carol Hamilton Live on LinkedIn or carol at redfoxroad.com. Super. Scott Pfeiffer, how are you I lead, uh, yeah, I lead strategic planning and partnership planning for folks. And you can find me on LinkedIn as Scott Pfeiffer, uh, my website, fscottp.com, or you can email me at strategybusinessconsulting.com, at gmail.com, strategybusinessconsulting at gmail.com. We'll get that right in the lower third, even if yeah. we didn't. Yeah, it's all going to be good. Uh, but, you know, for those who are listening, strategybusinessconsulting at gmail.com. Uh, thank you for hanging out with me. I'm Phil Yanov with Tech After Five. You can find me at philyanov.com. P-H-I-L-Y-A-N-O-V dot com. And of course, my job is to help you in tech get connected to your peers and to the resources and people that you need to know so that you can move your career down its path or perhaps build your tech business. Our job is to know everybody and help them find each other. So hopefully you'll come find us at techafter5.com. We'll see you next time. <laughs>